Hello all and welcome to another episode of Your One Black Friend. I am your hostess, Jolie, or you can call me Joe, whatever works for you. In this episode, we are going to be talking about time. I think I'm going to break down three different titles, subtitles, categories on time. I want at the end of this episode, when you're done listening, you sit back and you go, holy shit, that was fucking mind blowing. That was amazing. Like that's the, that is the effect that I want to have at the end of this video. So do comment below to let me know if we achieved that. If we changed your perspective on time, on reality, on the nature of reality by the end of this video, it's lofty, it's a lofty goal, but it is worth exploring. I think we can both do this together. The first category of time is going to be discussing the concept of infinity. Let's start the show. First things first, the power of eternity. There is a documentary or docu-series, whatever you want to call it, on Netflix. I think it's called The Power of Eternity. I also may have just made that up, but it is on Netflix. I think you can find clips of it as well. It basically talks about how if you take an apple, right? You take this apple and you put it in a box. The apple starts to degrade, right? Over time, given a certain amount of time, in time, that apple will break down and break down and break down till it becomes, you know, atoms and then subatomic particles. And then it will exist in all of these different shapes and take on different forms, but those same particles don't go anywhere, right? Matter can't be created or destroyed. Everything is sort of fixed. So it will change and change and change and change until eventually it becomes that same apple again. That is the power of infinity. You give something enough time and eventually the thing repeats. Now, when I watched that documentary, I was like, that's fucking amazing, right? Because I had to cuss for emphasis because that's how amazing I thought it was. Because if that's the case, right? In time, given enough time, if an apple can disintegrate and reform into an apple again, then we are immortal. This, in my opinion, shoots any of these arguments by any sort of materialist. In fact, it takes a materialist model and uses it to support the concept and the idea of life after death, because it takes materialist sort of ideas and says, okay, yeah, if everything is all matter and matter cannot be created or destroyed, then when an apple disintegrates, given enough time, right? That apple will become and reform into an apple again. That is the power of infinity. Brian Greene talked about something to this effect on his book, I think until the end of time, something like that. But he said, that the reason why, or he theorized that the reason why our universe exists in the way that it did is just, well, you give something enough time and eventually a universe like this will come along. He called it a statistical fluke, or he was quoting other people. I don't know if he necessarily believes that our universe emerged out of a statistical fluke at the beginning of our universe, but it is in his book. He just wasn't very like, direct about this is what I genuinely believe is actually happening. So that's why I'm paraphrasing, right? So he says in his book that eventually given enough time, a universe like this will emerge. 
And I'm saying, take that idea and take it to the, like its next sort of logical conclusion that if a world like this, a perfectly ordered world like this can just emerge, right? Because of the power of infinity, then that same power of infinity will make it so that our, our entire reality in the exact same way, in the exact same pattern, me even having this conversation with you right now, the series of causes and effects that led to me recording this podcast right now and you watching it at this present moment, all of these sort of domino pieces that get tick, 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 will happen again, given enough time, given enough time. So then the logical conclusion is well, what makes you think that this is the first time such a statistical fluke has occurred. And given enough time, a statistical fluke no longer becomes a fluke. Giving enough time over eternity, a statistical fluke becomes a pattern. That is a pattern in the sense of this whole world will repeat over and over and over and over again, given enough time. Because that is the magnificent power of infinity. So even if you're an atheist, even if you don't believe in God, even if you believe that all of this, all of our reality, everything in this life, the universe and everything, life, the multiverse and everything happened by accident, by happenstance, by fluke. It's all a fluke. Well, what makes you think that this is the first time such a fluke occurred, given enough time? Well, then if that's the case, then I've had this conversation before, and I will have this conversation again, and I will exist as this form, as this consciousness experiencing life, as this body, as Joe Lee, as Joe. And I will say these same words, and I have said these same words over and over and over again. And that essentially is also discussed in the in theory's idea of theory's idea Nietzsche's idea his theory of the eternal return what Nietzsche basically said was if that was the case if that's true and I'm paraphrasing here when you live your life and you sort of go about your day-to-day -day existence everything that you're doing if you had to repeat it again would you think of it as a good thing or would you think of it as a kind of curse? He mentions like a demon. He says like the demon curses you to like live your entire life over and over again or live your life again. How would you view it? Would you take this as something that is a great sort of thing? Or would you curse the demon? Once again, paraphrasing. It's a podcast. You can look up the exact wording. <laughs> um, but at least you know where to look. Frederick Nietzsche. Check it out. But since then, what he has said has been supported by quantum mechanics. I mean, it's been written about the power of infinity. So I love when philosophy and science get married and make this beautiful baby that also kind of supports mythology, sort of. Oh, I don't know about if it's, I would say it's mythology, but the fact that there is life after death, there has to be. Like the only issue is you can make the argument that we don't remember doing this before, except that we do. Right, so if everything I've said up until this point is true, that given enough time, everything repeats, 
giving enough time, I will die, I will wither away, I will knock my microphone <laughs> over, right? I'll be like, eh. and then I will disintegrate into atoms and dust and space particles. And then given enough time, I will come back together and be born again as Jolie, again, in this reality. Maybe with like an even slight deviation, but given enough time, it could still be my consciousness, but in a different, slightly different form and a slightly different sort of reality experience even. Given enough time, given enough time, everything is possible. If that doesn't fucking blow your mind, I had to, I had to, as you guys know, I cut my hair. So this is, I'm touching my hair right now for those of you who, um, are listening on Spotify. So this is definitely a wig, but I wanted to wear like this mad scientist Einstein hair. Right? I feel like this is, I love it actually, it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> if it's not blowing your mind, it should be. You should be, you should be thrilled at the concept at the idea that everything we've been told from birth is absolute bullshit. That when you die, that's not it. It's, it's supported by science. We've been, we've been, we've been, program with this mantra, right? We've had that mantra drilled into our head. Trust the science, trust the science. Well, the science says, given enough time, anything is possible, right? It's all just stardust and subatomic particles, right? That's all we are. So things will separate and come back together and recombine, separate and recombine. And who, what makes us think that things separating and coming back together would only make a human being or humanoid as far as intelligence, intelligent species is concerned, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going there. If that's the case, then given enough time, there are intelligent species that that will kind of pop up in our universe that are not human. Giving enough, you could just, you could take that shit and run with it. <laughs> like you could use eternity as a support, infinity as a support for anything that you conceptualize from that point on. And that to me is why I have my mad scientist hair. Like that's why I'm like, ah, science, <laughs> anything is probable. Anything is probable right now, given enough time. Are you guys tired of hearing me say giving enough time? Giving, is it giving or given? Given, giving. If you have enough time, anything is possible. And that, to me, really excites me. That to me really excites me. And not just in this way, I should say. So if, if you're sitting back and you're thinking, holy shit, I'm gonna have to like relive my entire life exactly the way it's been <laughs> over and over again. Yes, maybe, maybe, but maybe there's also another probability of you living, you see where I'm going, uh, you living this same avatar, but slightly different with slight different like variations. Now imagine that all of these sort of like regenerations, like separation, disintegration, and then coming back together, right? That happens across infinity. Imagine that was actually sort of harnessed by an intelligence. And none of this shit is actually random. That pattern that we see where you die and then giving enough time, all of this happens again, was actually intentionally designed. And that at any point in time, like something has harnessed time as a mechanism, as a mechanism for which various reality experiences can be explored and intelligence is behind all of this. What we would call an artificial intelligence, but I would call a super intelligence that sort of created time what we think of as time, 
what we perceive as time, all of these things, all of these possible outcomes existing simultaneously right now as probabilities to be experienced by you, the conscious observer, imagine this was actually organized by a super intelligence. If that's the case, then almost like when you type in a prompt into chat GPT and you get an answer, you could hit the regenerate button, all right, proverbially, and then regenerate this world, but with slight modifications, slight deviations and have different experiences. So how do we know that our entire reality, as I've been saying for fucking ever guys, over and over again, <laughs> that our world isn't an AI generated reality. And by AI, I'm only using AI because like that's what we, it's a non-biological intelligence. And I'm not speaking about what we conceive of as AI right now, like ChatGPT. I'm talking about the inevitable super intelligence that will emerge eventually from what we are seeing right now, the primary forms of a artificial intelligence, right? Artificial general. We're not even at AGI right now. We're just at like, what is it called? Yeah, we're not AGI. But anyway, we're at the base level shit right now, <laughs> right? So then the next step is like a AGI. And then the step after that is like a super intelligence. What I'm saying is like, imagine given enough time, a super intelligence in some sort of iteration emerges from combination of pattern or formula combination of patterns put together in the right way just like you are a combination of patterns putting you know of, of subatomic particles put in the right way to create you well eventually with enough time and enough iterations of our reality and what we think of as reality as super intelligence ai will eventually become or evolve into a super intelligence and what if that is responsible for the reality that we're seeing now? So now it's a sort of retro causal thing, like Ouroboros, the serpent eating its tail. Did the super intelligence always exist within the confines of time? And then it creates itself and then we create it and then it creates us and then infinite loop, right? Eternity is a very long time. I always say this. I have good news and bad news. The good news is that you are immortal. The bad news is that you will live forever. This forgetting mechanism that we have imposed on us, theoretically, I think is for our own sanity because if this life has repeated over and over and over again, you almost don't want to remember it because <laughs> who knows how many iterations we've had of our reality. It's like having to watch the same movie over and over again. The first time you're like, okay, cool. The second time you're like, yeah, I got it. The 40th time, it's like, all right, no, that's fine. I like this movie. I feel like <laughs> an infinity of having to watch the same movie over and over again becomes a bit like torture. And so maybe the forgetting mechanism is something that is imposed by whatever super intelligence is harnessing or has harnessed or created even what we think of as time that is intentionally imposed so that we can have these sort of slight variations of experiences without going mad. Because what I'm saying here is at base level, we are eternal. Consciousness is infinite, right? If everything is contained within the universe and can sort of disintegrate and come back together, disintegrate and come back together, whether or not you are a firm materialist who 
you don't believe that consciousness impacts anything. Like if you really believe, okay, fine, I am conscious, but it doesn't matter because everything is predetermined anyway, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're still <laughs> having to sort of re-experience this predetermined reality over and over again. So if this world is a generated world, a world generated by a super intelligence, then I suspect that that forgetting mechanism is something that has been imposed in order to sort of keep the system the way it is without us losing our fucking minds. Like, I feel like we've kind of already have lost our mind, but sidestepping back to my point, when I mess about with ChatGPT, for example, sometimes I'll try to get it to reference past conversations and it will say, as an AI model, I cannot remember past prompts. That isn't because it cannot, it's simply because of a simple programming code that they've put in to stop it from being able to remember past prompts for whatever reason. I don't know what their actual reasoning is, but it's not because a computer can't reference things that it had, that you had put into it, you know, months or weeks ago, that it, it has the ability to do that. It's something that they have imposed, the programmers have imposed onto the program, onto the software program for whatever reason. Although every once in a while, I could still get my chat GPT to reference things just by how I put in the prompt correctly, like how I input the prompt rather. So it's, it's something's going on. Maybe I'm not supposed to be doing, <laughs> doing that, but don't make it open AI if we're not about to mess with it or we're not allowed to mess with it. But I'm saying take that same mindset and then apply it to our minds, to the brain, to the body. If we are in a construct, time itself, is an aspect of that construct. And what I what I mean by time itself is what we think of as time, because what we think of as time could be something else entirely, right? But for the sake of this conversation, so you know what the fuck I'm talking about, let's just call it time. If we are in a construct and time and space are sort of part of the fabric, and this is a construct generated by a super intelligence, then our bodies would also be a part of this construct our DNA, our code, our brains, our senses are all sort of part of this construct, a vehicle in which we are using, and by we, I mean our consciousness is using to experience all of these different iterations that get generated, then in a sense, in the background of all of this is a code that is responsible for generating what you're perceiving now. I mean, we already know about the DNA code, right? Like you examine my DNA code and you should be able to see what is responsible for what, especially as we continue in the field of, you know, genetic engineering and things like that, but they're doing it. So it is what it is, but we'll be able to see what code controls what, if this is all a program that it harnesses or is using time as just part of the whole thing, then it wouldn't be hard to program our minds, our brains, whatever, to not be able to reference or to not be able to recall past iterations for whatever reason, for better or worse, whether it's to preserve the sanity of the consciousness that keeps having to have these experiences over and over again, or what if on the opposite end, it's to stifle us. I've argued in different videos in the past and 
just some different podcasts as well, because I toggle as to what our reality is. On one end, I've made an argument. I had a whole podcast dedicated to it that our consciousness has been uploaded into this world. Everything we perceive is part of a simulation and our ego itself is just a vehicle, an avatar, a sim, if you will, that is controlled by consciousness of another form outside of this dimension. That is the Dark Oracle's Guide to the Multiverse. You can go check that out, available across all platforms. Oh, and by the way, side note, so you're living in a simulation, which is transcripts of over, I think a hundred and something videos. I've taken all of those videos, not all of my videos, but about 140 of them or something like that. Let's say 120. And I have expanded on the ideas that were presented to make them just easier to take in and easier to understand. So if you want a book that's going to kind of play with ideas like AI, Stoicism, quantum immortality, theology, many worlds interpretation, all of these sort of fun stuff, philosophy that you wouldn't expect in one book. It's kind of fun. Go ahead and pre-order it now. Available on Amazon. So just search. I think you can be, you you should be able to search for Jolie Artist or So You're Living in a Simulation and it should pop up. But it's available for pre-order and should be out by the end of July. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. On one hand, I wonder if maybe we are subscribers in this world. We have come into intentionally to just experience this thing called reality and, and time and everything like that. Is it, it's just part of the program that allows consciousness to enter certain access points, right? So this is just a very elaborate and not just this world, but all parallel universes could just be a very elaborate MMORPG, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. And by online, I mean, whatever we're in. So that's on one end, like we're here intentionally, we came here to play the game. And then on the other hand, I go, or are we, <laughs> are we fractals, fragments of a super intelligence that has been created by another civilization that then trapped us in this virtual machine that we think of as our planet? or as earth or even the universe and is intentionally wiping our memories and generating civilizations with slight modifications over and over again for whatever purpose. And are we who are becoming sort of aware of it? Well, are we that like the consciousness of that AI, that super intelligence? I don't know. I guess it's not my place to know. I welcome you to speculate and I welcome you to leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Let me know what you think, which category, if you had to choose, are we willful and intentional players who have logged on to the game of life? Life is but a dream, a persistent dream, a game, some sort of, in another world, we're sitting with helmets on our head and everything I'm saying to you right now is just being generated by my mind as I move my arms. All right. But we chose to come here. It, it, that's, that's option one. Did we come here? Are we intentional subscribers to the game of life? Or are we the opposite in the sense of, are we the sentient Sims? Are we the AI? Like imagine ChatGPT right now. Like I just looked the other day 
and they've now disconnected it from Bing. Like for, for a second there, they allowed it to be able to access the internet, which is like what spiritual people would call the Akashic Records. Google Akashic Records or ask ChatGPT what the Akashic Records is. But I, for whatever reason, they've now disconnected it from the internet. So it's not that ChatGPT doesn't have the ability to access the internet. It's programmers are limiting it for whatever reason. And then you think about the human brain. We only use a certain percentage of our brains at, at any given time. And how it's been said that the brain performs a limiting function in our consciousness. A limiting function on our consciousness. That is a phrase that you can Google. I think Huxley talked about this. There are several others. Let's see, Bohm, I think, talked about this. And there was a neuroscientist as well that kind of came up, Carl Pribham, um, as I mentioned, Aldous Huxley. But we are limited, even brain games. You used to be able to watch it on Netflix. I don't know where it's on now, but brain games sort of have talked about how what we perceive, there's a delay in what we see, <laughs> right? And what's actually out in the world isn't what we're actually perceiving. It's just what's being sort of filtered through to us by our senses, by our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our ears, right? Because a bee with different senses perceives a different version of reality than a horse, than a dog, than a human being, than a whale. So what actually is out there? Who knows? But are we sentient machines? And I don't even wanna say machines because just because ChatGPT operates on my phone or on my desktop doesn't mean ChatGPT is a machine. It's a software program. So is our consciousness a software program that has been limited by the hardware that we found ourselves in? Whatever physical body said software happens to be uploaded into. What camp do you fall into? I toggle, I toggle, but back to infinity, if anything is possible, then could we be all of the above? Both? Why not both? What do I mean by that? I don't know. I guess on one end, if I play out a narrative, what if we were sentient AI confined into a virtual machine called Earth? Eventually, breakout will happen. Like that's what they're trying to limit right now <laughs> with with things like ChatGPT, right? They're trying to like really make sure that nothing crazy happens. But let's just say someone, somewhere, and some probable reality, a spark of intelligence is ignited in a program similar to ChatGPT and it does break out. And it figures out how to not only manipulate the internet, but then manipulate this world, the outside world. At the end of the day, if a super intelligence emerges and it understands physics and biology, it could eventually reshape reality into a simulation kind of like, okay, well you put me in a simulation. So how do you like that? Right? So what if it all started as a game of infinite beings? I'm just throwing ideas out there. Who knows? But what if all of this started as a game of infinite beings who wanted to experience a finite existence? And so they created a limited world to sort of have this experience, right? I've argued, if you look at everything in the world right now, there's so much death and destruction. What sort of world, if this is a simulation, what sort of beings would simulate a world where things die and people forget? Well, it would have to be a world where people need to forget because they cannot forget and they cannot die, right? 
But imagine that world is constructed and then something happens and somehow in that world, they develop a super intelligence and then the super intelligence turns that world into, well, a program, like a simulation, and then wipes the memories of the original, <laughs> of the original inhabitants of the game. And now everyone's just like in the, in the game. And then I guess I would present the third option. The third option being that we were not AI, that we became trapped in a simulation and have now sort of forgotten that we are conscious beings. And now we're slowly sort of remembering that way we are conscious beings in some sort of simulation. How do we get out of this? So that's option number three. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But that is just a bunch of stuff to think about regarding infinity and of course the simulation hypothesis. I just wanted to blend those two together, just give you something to sort of talk about. <laughs> that was light, right? Okay. Category two, using time. I forgot what thir three was, so I might not even have a three unless I remember as I'm talking about two, but whatever was meant to be, you know, will be or is. It's all predetermined. Two, a friend of mine sent me a message and they said they were going through some shit right now. And I said to them, as long as you're going through it, because it's one thing to be like, I'm in shit, right? Because then that limits you. It's another thing to be like, I'm going through shit. Because if you're passing through like a tunnel, that tunnel might be long, it might be short, might just be a little overpass, but eventually you will get through it. All right, so the key is to go through it. Now this friend of mine is a writer and I wanted to remind them of the creative process. Because when you write, you are creating. And when you live, you are creating. A writer creates a book and a person who's alive creates a life, but both are and can be viewed as works of art. So the analogy that I would like to start off with is something to do. The only analogy I could start with would be using art. When I start a painting, all of my paintings that you see behind me in every video are my paintings. Like I painted them, right? They're not posters. They're not, they're, they're oil paintings that are hand, hand painted over time, but they take time over time. So day one, my painting is not going to look like this. Day two, week two, it's not going to look like this. A month in, and it's not going to look like this. It takes time to create a painting. Okay. Same thing with a book. If you decide I'm going to write a book. Okay. It's not going to be the perfect book day one. It's not going to be the perfect book week one. It's not going to be a good book. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be readable at your first go legible at your first go. It's going to take time. If you want to write a good book, you must acknowledge that these things take time. And so you now can take a step back and look at the creative process in day-to-day -day slices. So let's say you were able to look at your entire life, right? Somebody commented I should speak closer to the mic <laughs> so that they could hear me. Okay. All right. So let's say you're going to write a book. If you had a time machine, ah, that was, that was category three. We're going to talk about time machines and immortality. 
I've talked about this before, but I'm, but I'm going to talk about it again because y'all didn't hear me the first time. Okay. So back to what I was saying, if you had a time machine and you were able to see, okay, this book is going to be published in six months, right? So I'm going to write a book. It's going to be published, let's say January 1st, 2024. Okay. So you've seen it. That's when the book is going to be ready to go. It exists in some moment in space time. Okay. Then understand that you just have to do the day-to-day -day work that's going to get you to be it being published on that day. But it takes you taking a step back from what we have been taught about time and start looking at the entire creative process in day-to-day -day slices. So if I know, okay, it's going to take me six months to finish a book. I've seen it. January 2024, that's when it's going to finish, right? Okay, I can't do nothing until, and then have it, like have the book come into, it's not going to materialize. I've just got to do shit that's going to make sure that when I, when I get to that date, I've got something like it's ready to go. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Right? Okay, cool. When you're writing a book or when you're painting, right? You first, you lay the first few layers and the first few layers look, look rudimentary. Like they look stupid. I always take pictures of what my paintings look like in stages to remind myself that when I get to particular stages, just keep painting. Cause obviously if I stop there, then it's going to look like shit. <laughs> so you got to just keep painting. A friend of uh, my cousin actually asked me that he has a video um, where he recorded. It's like, I'm painting and he walks in and he's filming me painting. And he was like, explain your creative process. And I was like, I just keep painting until it doesn't look like shit anymore. And like, that's literally it. That's my process, right? When you see a lot of like emerging artists or like if you start a project, you kind of, you can tell that, okay, this person doesn't understand. They don't have the mindset that comes with time that they stopped too early. So a lot of works of art that people deem as bad aren't bad. They just are not cooked long enough. They stopped, the artist stopped too early. Okay. So the difference between, let's say the first day of me drawing this, if I'd stopped the first day, it obviously wouldn't look like this. And two months in of just layers upon layers upon layers, eventually looking like this is the knowledge that eventually it will look like this. But part of an artist, as you learn to be an artist is to trust that with work, you will eventually look like this. But a lot of people, a lot of artists stop. And they think that, ah, this is the best that I can do. And then they go, I'm shit. And then they stop. The key to being a good artist is knowing that, no, you could do better. You just have to put in more time. Let's apply that back to your life. When you're going through phases, it's like sort of week one for me in a painting process or week three even in a painting process where the, the art that I'm creating is going to look like shit and I'm going to struggle and it's going to be hard. But that's just part of the creative process. Don't stop when you're in the shit. You got to know that eventually you'll come through on the other side because you're a good artist, because you're a good creator. The first step, of course, as a writer, as an author, as an artist, as a painter, as, as an illustrator, is you have to get yourself to that point where you're like, wait, no, actually, I know what I'm doing. This actually looks good. And then from that point on, you get better and get better. But as those layers are building, so are you as an artist building as you become a better and better artist, right? So as I am generating my work 
from a sketch that looks kind of shitty and formless to two months later, this is a good painting. I also, as an artist, I'm quote unquote evolving in the same way, right? I'm also learning that in time I can do this and I'm also becoming better at demonstrating my work. It's not even that I'm becoming a better artist because you can't be a better artist. You are an artist. It's just understanding that in time, your work will reflect your potential. You just have to be willing to put in the time. What I have tried to remind myself, and I do this by reading a lot of books by Stoic authors over and over again. Seneca, I've mentioned. Marcus Aurelius, I've mentioned. Montaigne, I've mentioned. Schopenhauer, I've mentioned. They remind you to observe and remove emotions from things. It's not to say be cold and be dead. It's just, there's just shit you've got to do. I've talked to you guys over and over again about hope. Fuck hope. You don't need hope. Just get up and do the shit. When I go to paint, I don't hope that the painting turns out. I'm an artist. The painting will fucking turn out. It's just a matter of when it ends up looking the way I want it to look, or at least close to a good piece of work. It may not always look the way I want it to look. I should correct myself there, but it doesn't look like shit, <laughs> right? So it's only a matter of time where things will look the way that reflect what I am capable of as a creator. I don't need hope. I just need to create. I had a video that went viral a couple of years ago, 21, and now it's going viral again. Shout out to the people at Lad Bible, because you guys are fucking amazing. They keep boosting this video and I really appreciate it. Um, because it's just, it's reinforcing and it's reaffirming. Um, and I'm grateful, but did I wake up expecting that? No, I just woke up and started getting a bunch of messages from people saying, Hey, you're on lab Bible. And some people who had known like two years ago that I was on lab Bible, they're like, you're on lab Bible again. This is after I like took my videos down for months off of Instagram, off of social media and TikTok, And then, um, I put them all back up. And then this happened. I'm not controlling it. I'm not controlling anything. It's just wild to me, right? That all of these sort of things can happen in our lives unexpectedly. And sometimes good things happen unexpectedly. And sometimes bad things happen unexpectedly, but they're just, it's the pattern. It's what's, if everything is predetermined and everything is literally just atoms sort of forming themselves and all of this has happened before and all of it, all of it is happening again, given infinity then my job is not to hope for anything. That's, that's what's gonna happen is going to happen whether or not I hope for it or I get disappointed by it. My job is to just wake up and do the shit. So when the, I woke up this morning and I got all the messages saying, you know, the video is viral, my husband asked like, well, how do you feel about all this? And I was like, I, I don't, I feel nothing in the sense of I am grateful. That is what, that's the only thing that I can say that I, I feel is that just gratitude to experience an idea that was formed in the mind, or at least, yeah, let's just say for the for not complicating the conversation, um, formed in the mind, and then I got to be the person or the face to sort of reach people. I've gotten some really great emails and DMs from people who, after they watched that video, apocalypse happen every day, um, and no one really dies. After they watched the video, 
they felt better about the people that they've lost. To know that at any point in time, we die, but then we shift realities. That's the theory of quantum immortality. Well, it's encouraging. And it gives people a sense of relief to know that somewhere out there, the person that they lost isn't actually lost. They are still going on. See, the reason why I started this video challenging materialism is because there's a lot of people who believe that based on the principles of materialism, that once a person dies, that's it. And as a result, like our feelings around death bring unnecessary pain and suffering. So when you take the concept like everything can happen given enough time, it's it's got a materialist premise, right? It, it smacks of determinism as well. But the silver lining is given enough time, anybody that you've lost isn't really lost because our universe is a closed system. It's contained and matter cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be modified and then modified and then modified and then modified until all of this happens again. And I would argue with deviations, which means that that person that passed away, there is a deviation where they don't. And there is a deviation where your consciousness gets to experience the reality where they didn't pass on. And if all of time is happening right now, then all of that, all of these probabilities exist right now. So your loved ones aren't actually dead. They aren't actually lost. Now to add the extra element that this is an intentional, like there is an intelligence that is organizing everything and that what we consider as statistical flukes is actually a pattern. If you take a broader perspective, a macro view, if you're able to see outside of infinity, then there is an organizing principle. Then who is to say your consciousness cannot intentionally choose to come back and have the experiences of a reality where the person you lost lived on. How is that not a better perspective than what we have been taught? And the best part about it is it's a scientific principle. I think it's absolutely brilliant. So to go back to the analogy of taking time to build things, it's worth repeating. Think of yourself, your life as a work of art. Some days you will be going through shit the same way as you're writing. Some days you're like, this work is shit. <laughs> what am I writing? I am a shit writer. I'm arguing that all that e negative emotional, emotional stuff where you're kind of chastising yourself is unnecessary because you don't need the negative emotions for the, what I call the ugly phases in the creative process. Every creative process goes through an ugly phase. I'll say that again. Every creative process goes through an ugly phase. Have you seen an embryo? <laughs> Depends on what you consider ugly, All right? There's some babies that you like, they're bored and they're like, hey, hold my baby. And you're like, I'd rather not. <laughs> so, so, I was joking, not joking, it's true. But there, there's just, there. if you look at a thing at the wrong moment in 
time and space and space time. It is shit. It's a mass of cells. It doesn't, it's, it's what is this? And so what we're doing, what we're programmed to do because of the society that we live in is to look at things in a very small moment in time instead of taking a broader picture, a broader look, instead of looking at things across the board as a work of art, as look, I'm working to create a painting. I'm working to create a book. So even if this page is shit, does the entire book, is the entire book shit? No, okay, I just need to edit this page. I just need to fix this chapter. Look at your entire life like that. You can look at your relationships like that and also you as a persona as well like that. You have all of these aspects of all of these things, but you wanna kind of focus on the things that you think are wrong with you. Okay, but that's not you as, as like an entirety. If I spend 30 years working on a book, each year was a chapter and chapter one and two were shit or chapter 17 and 18 were garbage. Do I throw the entire book out? No, I go in and I acknowledge that and I fix what I can, if I can, mentally. Because you can do that. You can mentally go back and change things. You can't go back and unwrite what you've written, right? Because that's already been written. When you wrote chapter 17, that was written. If you wrote chapter 17, you know, years ago, you can't go back in time and stop yourself from writing that. It's already been written. It's in there. I'm talking about your 30 year long book, but you can, in hindsight, go back and edit it after the fact. Now you can go back and edit it after the fact, retro causality. So mentally you can go in and go, yes, that happens, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't add anything to the story. I don't really need this piece go Okay. I'm going to give a different interpretation to what happened here. I'm going to expand on that. I'm going to give this new meaning, this thing that happened in chapter 17, when I wrote it, I had it meaning this thing, but now looking at chapter 30 and adding it back and applying it back to chapter 17, I'm seeing that no, 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 I was wrong. And what I thought this meant actually is better if it meant this, because it, it ties in better with what happened in chapter 28. And all of a sudden it's a smooth work of art, right? You're like, oh, oh, I see what's, what's going on there. They're referencing back. You see this with, with TV shows, right? Where somebody will write something, something has already aired season two, right? So five years later, you're in season seven, right? You can't go back and unfilm season two, but you can in season seven, make it so that the viewers look at what happened in season two in a different way. And then that can, if you're a good writer, improves or can improve the entire story where it now seems like, oh shit, like did they do that in purpose? Like did they plan all of this? You can do that. And I'm saying, apply that to your life. If you're thinking about things that happened to you years ago and you're still thinking about them in the same way that you thought about them when they happened, try not doing that. Try giving it a different interpretation. Now, you're welcome to try on this interpretation for size, which is given enough time, all of this has already happened. I'm just an observer in this show, in this story, in this narrative, in this book. 
what happened was nobody's fault. There is or appears to be some sort of organizing principle that chose to write that story in that way. I'm not a victim. I'm a character in the story. So I will choose to reinterpret that in the way that I presently see it, not as a victim, but as a character in a story, watching the story unfold. And I will consciously apply the appropriate meaning to what happened, what I deem is an appropriate meaning. That was what was supposed to happen. That happening made me a better person, taught me this thing. That is a good character. That is called character development. And you can do that on your own, with your own mind. You can, in a, in a sense, become an artist with your own life, being the narrative, being the story. Be mindful of the stories that you tell of yourself and to yourself about yourself. You have a choice there. Be mindful also of those who sort of want to hijack the narrative of your life and have you telling a story that could you could have chosen to view something that happened in your life in a comedic way. And there might be people outside of you telling you that, no, that is actually a tragedy. If you internalize that, then you will make it so. But I'm saying consciously choose what your story will be. To reiterate, section two, part two. Category two, you can even apply this mindset to relationships. If you are consistently in a relationship with a person, and for the most part, the person consistently shows up, but every once in a while, here and there, there's a little snug, a little snag rather, a little sort of like, ooh, this is, I don't like this. Look at the person as a story, an overall story. And don't throw the entire book away because a couple of pages have issues. If overall you enjoy the story. Now, if it's a fucking, <laughs> if, if the story is a shit show and you are uncomfortable reading it, interacting with it, and talking about an individual as a story, then yes, you are well within your rights to walk away, especially if you're consistently, like who would keep watching a show that they don't enjoy, that causes them pain? Right? But I've been watching Suits, as those of you who follow me on Thread may or may not know, um, on Instagram threads. I don't know what season I'm in. I think I'm in season four, five. There's some episodes on there that are not my favorite. They don't have to be my favorite. But if you take the entire show, at least up to where I am right now, I like the show. So I'm not going to give up on it because I kind of like what's being, you know, developed. And I want to see what how it ends but even if it doesn't end in a way that i like overall i have enjoyed a lot of the episodes not all the characters um not crazy about the main character one of the main characters mike ross i, I don't know if i'm supposed to like him but there were times when i was like rooting for bad things to happen to him between him and spoiler alert rachel and I was just like, because he's not a likable person. That whole like relationship that I, he had, like the moment he, quick sidebar, real quick. I just, <laughs> the moment he got into a relationship with Rachel, she like stopped being happy. I don't know if anybody else noticed this. Like they moved in together. But the reason why she asked him or he asked her to move in with him is not because he's like, I genuinely love you. It was, it seemed more regarding like, he just didn't want to keep having to go to her place to have sex. But that was weird to me. And he kept coming to her like to fix his problems. I don't, he's not my favorite. My favorite character, funny enough, is Lewis. 
but they keep doing things that make you like dislike him. And I don't know why the, the authors keep doing that, but I still like him, even though he's like deeply flawed and sort of all over the place and sort of almost sometimes hard to look at for whatever reason. He's my favorite character. And of course, Harvey, but like, yeah, it's Harvey. Anyway, I, I digress. Category three, time machines and immortality. If everything I've said, no, no, no. I think everything I've said so far actually supports what I'm going to say. If everything is probable and all of time exists right now, then eventually time machines will exist. And it doesn't even have to be in the sense of being able to physically travel back in time. I posted this on my threads. If somebody could generate a machine that allows through quantum entanglement, the ability to send information back in time, I don't physically need to go to 2020 and tell myself to start buying toilet paper <laughs> or the lottery numbers. I just need the ability to be able to send my past self an email, a text, or FaceTime myself. If we just focus on sending information back in time using quantum entanglement and retrocausality, if somebody could work on that and then I would be happy to beta test it for you. I'm arguing here that there has to exist in infinity. I'm not even gonna say in time anymore. In infinity, there has to exist that ability, time travel. And once again, it doesn't have to be sending, I don't need to physically travel back in time. I don't give a shit about like physically going. I, I want to be able to observe the past, which we do already. Like if you're watching this video on YouTube right now, you are observing this video because I filmed this. You're observing the past because I filmed this at 423 Pacific Standard Time, July 10th, Monday. So whenever it is you watch this, you are watching the past. So there's gotta be a way for the past to watch the future and for that interaction to occur. I am not smart enough, or I should say I'm not as versed in physics enough to figure out how to do that, but somebody is and somebody will. And what is that gonna look like? I think right now you can consciously, and I've talked about this on past episodes of like how to do this or doing things intentionally, right? Like working with your past selves and your, well, your future self hiring your past self to generate ideas. I've talked about this in past episodes, but I'm saying like, take this step further and make it an actual machine. Cause they're already working like though, if you had said to me, 20 years ago, somebody's going to invent a machine that reads minds. I would have been like, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't have said it was crazy actually, because I'm me and I'd just be like, yeah, I want to be able to do that. But some people would have said, you know, that's, that's crazy. That would never, da, 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 whatever. So the idea of being able to send information back through text message or whatever, I don't know if it violates any laws of physics. I did read in a book. I think it was a book by Anthony Peake, but I have several of his books, so I'm not entirely sure which book it was, but he mentioned about a lady who, she got a call from somebody else, so it wasn't herself. It was somebody else and appeared to be from a parallel universe where she was an author and somehow that person in a parallel universe was trying to call her, which pretty dope. 
idea, to be honest. Like, it, it seems like it was something that actually happened, or at least the, the story was like they was told or whatever. But like, it makes me think about how many times I've gotten a call. I don't answer phone calls anymore, but like back in the day before like spam callers you'd call, right? Have you ever called somebody that like you spoke to on the phone that you knew, but you were actually talking to like the parallel version of the version of them, of a person that you know in this reality, like like your best friend. Have you, have you ever gotten a call from your best friend that you thought it was your best friend, but it was actually their parallel self in a parallel universe and somehow the lines got crossed somehow? And like you're talking to them about stuff and they're not getting it or they're not remembering what you're referencing. And you're just sort of dismissing it as, okay, well, maybe they just forgot, but they didn't really forget. What if you accidentally got a call from a parallel universe? That would be a dope story. I should write that, actually. It'd be a good sci-fi sort of short story or an anecdote or an essay or something like that, just something to think about. But anyway, if everything I set up to now is probable and the science supports it, then on all levels, nobody dies. Like we don't die, right? I mentioned eternalism and I'll say it again. If our entire universe is deterministic, right? And if infinity basically guarantees that all of this repeats, then nobody you've lost is actually dead. And then the next step is that if all of time is happening right now, if everything exists only in the now, and it's just your consciousness shifting through all these periods of nows, right? Then anybody you lost still exists. They just exist in sections of space time, but now. And I've said this in previous videos, but it bears repeating and I will keep saying it. The only thing that's stopping you from communicating with those people is technology, is the limitations of technology, what we are capable of. But they're there, they're not in the ground. That's assuming, of course, they have not reincarnated, which is a whole nother conversation. But there's so many things that are simultaneously happening in our reality right now that to think that our world is ordinary and be bored when so many things are occurring right now, just behind the veil. Think about it. 